There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi guys, this is Claire Kramer, aka the Great Glorificus, and you are listening to the Buffy Back Issue Bed. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue, and the show we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. And today, since the entire Buffy canon has been completed, maybe kind of until things happen in the future, <laughs> we'll see. Depending today, on when this is coming out. Right, it's completed for the moment. <laughs> we are joined by main series artist George's Genty going through the credits of everyone, including television and comics. George's, am I pronouncing your name right? Yes. I've been saying that all along and I'm so terrified. I was like, (laughs) is it, am I doing it wrong? (laughs) No, it's like two of us. Fantastic. (laughs) George's has done the third most credits in far of the entire Buffy canon. Whedon has not beat by a bit. Christos Gage has not beat by a bit, but George's Genty is the biggest artist and I think in the terms of comics, we can say director yeah. of all time. You are the number three credited worker on all of these books. Oh, well, now I don't think Skype can handle my inflated ego here. <laughs> I have you down as 58 issues, not including covers that you did for issues you didn't do the interiors on. Wow. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I did do every cover for every issue I've ever done. So, yeah, that was 40, 25, yeah, 60 some odd covers there has to be. Yeah, you did more wow. than you were on the interiors for. Whedon has you beat at 80 total credits, Christos Gage at 71, and you are at 58. I wonder if that's going to be a trivia on Jeopardy. <laughs> wow, that would be so specific. I wish it were. Oh, look, I went, I, that's what my day was today. Like, <laughs> I'll take Buffy breath. Cannon for 500. <laughs> oh my gosh, you would win so much money. I wish they were actually a Jeopardy thing. <laughs> Who has the third most credits? <laughs> but still, I mean, considering something that started in 97, that's a hell of a feat. It is, and I remember Cliff Richards was really, he was really prolific doing uh, of the artwork on it before I ever came came to the scene. So I, it, was my, it wasn't my goal to beat him, but it was my goal to be, I really want to be known for this, you know, because so, I thought Cliff was really known for it. I thought, man, that's so envious. I really want that position. Yeah, because he did a bit in season nine. Yeah, yeah, he came on for a couple fill-ins, yeah. Well, I guess first and foremost, the main question is, how did you initially get this job? This is going back. 11 years now, if you want to remember. Very back, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's so far back, I don't even know. It's a throwback Thursday question at this point. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was working, actually, on a book called The American Way, funny enough, with another writer-director called uh, John Ridley at the time, who wasn't as well-known back then, but he had done some movies and whatnot. And this book we were doing, it was an independent, creator-owned type of a thing about uh, the government sanctioning superheroes in the 60s, and it was called The American Way. And apparently at that time, Joss was reading this book, that, unbeknownst to me, of course. And when he had gotten his thing together to say, hey, I want to do some more Buffy, Dark Horse was already publishing the book, as you well know. He approached uh, Scott Alley, who had been the editor from the get-go, that uh, he'd love to do some Buffy if they were open to it, because technically Joss had never actually written any Buffy tales. Of course, he had done the Frey series and the uh, Tales of the Vampire and Tales of the Slayer, but he'd never actually written Buffy per se. So he approached them saying, hey, I'd love to do this. How about I want to do it after the show? Uh, How about we call it season eight? And they went off and running from there. And uh, Scott told me later, he's like, yeah, you know, well, when Joss calls and says this, you're like, "Okay," And you hope for something, you know, you hope for a script, you hope for something to come in. And he's like, man, like a week later, I had the whole first arc. 
in my lap and I was just giddy with myself uh, uh, as an editor would be with <laughs> when you can't you can't really reprimand somebody like Joss. You know, if he doesn't turn in his work, how, how do you punish him? You go, well, <laughs> if you don't do this, we're not going to let you write any more comic books for us. <laughs> That's crazy. So he, uh, they went on, and then they got to the process of, okay, so who are we going to get to draw this? Now that you've done it, who are we going to get to draw it? And he was, Joss and uh, Scott were talking, and uh, he said, well, I don't know this guy, and here's a list of people, but I really like this guy. I've been reading this book called The American Way, and, and I'd love to see if this guy would be interested. Could we get him? And Scott didn't know who I was. So from a mutual friend, uh, Jason Pearson, he had gotten my email and then contacted me and said, hey, Joss would love to have you draw this book called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, you know, when you're approached with something like that, your initial response is, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> after that, after a couple of emails thereafter, he uh, he said, no, really, this is this is a real deal. And Joss really wants you on the on the book. And I said, OK, well, that's cool. But that's a little heavy to say somebody like Joss Wheaton to use his name and throw it around like that, you know, and I got so bold to a point. I said, well, you know what? If Joss wants me so bad, why don't you have Joss email me? <laughs> and the very next email was Joss Whedon going, hey, how you doing? I really want you on this book. Oh, my gosh. And Power play. <laughs> That's crazy. Could, well, because I didn't believe it. You know how when well, somebody oh, says. Oh, I wouldn't either. Yeah. You know, yeah, Steven Spielberg really wants you for this part. And you're like, come on, seriously, you're just using that as a tool. And like, no, no, he really does. And man, I could not have humbled myself any quicker <laughs> in the following email <laughs> saying, oh, how much uh, I love your work, Mr. Wheaton, and thank you so much for thinking of me. And this is very kind of you. And I hope I didn't insult you in any way and all of that. So <laughs> it makes me look better than I should, but that's how that came about. They actually came and found me to do the book. So I was forever grateful. And yes, it's been forever since last 10 years associated with me, uh, part of my life. So. It's been pretty good. Did you ever watch the show before? I didn't. I'd seen a couple of episodes. I saw, uh, and I saw the one, God, and I can never remember the titles. I remember feeling and, and, and scenes better than I remember titles. Me too. Uh, it was, it was <laughs> the right. one, uh, <laughs> it was the one John Ritter was in. Was that the, not the body. It wasn't the body. That, was, uh, that's a terrible episode. That yeah. is, um, <laughs> what is the title? Yeah. It's the one where he's the evil stepdad robot. Robot. Is like yeah. Ted or something? No, it's just Ted. called Ted. That's the name of the episode. Oh just my gosh. Ted. I actually got one. That I never got these. That's a terrible, <laughs> that's a, what's funny is that's a Whedon episode and it's one of the worst ones he ever did. Oh, Wow. You know, not to throw him under the bus, but that episode's awful. <laughs> I forgot that John Ritter was in that. Wow. Yeah, he got smashed in the face with a shovel, and he was all robotic, and he, like, killed all of his previous wives. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I was a John Ritter fan, so when I saw, oh, hey, John Ritter's going to be on this show called Buffy, I should watch this, because I like him. I'm so and... sad that I just threw that episode <laughs> under the bus, but that, yeah, that's not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, though. Uh, sorry, everyone. Yeah, That's you guys funny. don't hold any punches. I'll give you that. <laughs> Sorry. It's mostly me, I think. <laughs> but I also love this stuff. I hope that comes through in what we do. <laughs> that I Oh, if like, if not in your voice, then certainly in your figurines behind you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got, oh, yeah. You never... Are... <laughs> people don't get to see these. Yes, they hang out <laughs> yeah, with us. Yeah, you can see Cordelia, Wesley, Spike, Willow, Jane, Mal, another Mal... <laughs> yes you've There's got the quite a bit... represented 
Yeah. And in front of us. I was going to say, mean, you don't like, see the pages that are hanging yeah, in front of us. You can't see the comic art that's going the other direction. So is it your goal to get something from everyone who's drawn from Buffy? Or how does that work? Uh, right now, Emily, earmuffs. You can't hear <laughs> No, I don't always know what there is. And I'll suddenly be um, like, oh, yeah, that page I got it two I, months ago. I have some Serenity stuff. I have Buffy and Angel stuff. I don't have every... I'd like to get something from every season. I am lacking in season eight and season 11. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you? How are you tonight, dear? <laughs> but, I mean, we do have a fair amount. Let's not. And I have one prop from the Serenity movie, and I have one prop from the Buffy TV show. Oh, yeah? Which one? Uh, you can grab it if you want. It's behind well, for me. our listening audience, what... Uh... It doesn't, oh, yeah. it doesn't really... This is a bowl that was in the galley. There were six of these. There is a shot of the operative in the Serenity movie drinking oh, tea. Oh, yeah. I have a one in six shot that this is one of them. Yeah, okay. I, I can't say if this is the one that he drank, but there is a one in six chance that it is. And then I have a book from the Magic. Oh, Box. really? Okay, I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, when when not when they were well, just because I mean they have a billion of those. Books, yeah. So yeah, I have one of those. Is it an actual book or is it just filled with blanks? It's bl- it's all blank. Ah, uh, gotcha. What's funny at the front of it, there is a stamp that says like the Magic Box, but then like every like there's maybe a hundred and fifty two hundred pages in there. They're all just empty pages. <laughs> so it's a journal. Why did you? <laughs> why did you feel yeah, the exactly. need to stamp page one? <laughs> I don't know. So then they could sell it later and be like, look, it came from the magic box. <laughs> I guess that's what happened because I bought it. I know, right? <laughs> it comes with a letter of authenticity. Exactly. So in the course of all these comics, I feel like there were kind of three big controversies. I'm throwing that in air quotes because I personally, you know, wasn't terribly upset. Because <laughs> that's, that's just me. Because um, I feel like the Buffy and Satsu thing, the Buffy and Angel like space sex and the Buffy abortion thing were kind of the three big controversies of the books. I was just curious what it was like dealing with that on the other end of things. that. And I think you forgot about uh, um, Giles being killed. That was a huge, huge I thing. was fine with that. I, I'm, I'm a big Giles being killed fan. <laughs> He's only, a big fan of people dying in stories. Well, and I'm just, like, nobody needs to die well, ever. That just upped the stakes for me in a big way. Because it was like, yeah, they're all fine. Oh, no, Giles is dead. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah, we can take them in, in order or however you want. Or just, I was just curious what um the kind of feedback for that was for any of those kind of like controversial ones. Uh, and ones that I was, I was literally fine with every, eh, maybe not the robot pregnancy thing because i think it's a terrible metaphor but beyond that uh the first uh, with buffy sleeping with a woman that was a huge huge deal and funny enough that came around the time where uh, i had i talked to joss over the phone and emailed him a few times at that point but i'd never actually met him and i think that was around the time san diego was coming around the comic-con and i went i was going there uh and we all had a had a very nice lunch me joss scott alley and um Oh, one of the assistant editors whose names escapes me at the moment. And we were all just going for lunch and talking a little bit more and just kind of wanted to get a feel. Because the funny thing about season eight and doing all this, I, I really personally felt that this was always a love letter to Joss's love letter to Buffy, this girl that he really loved and really cared for. And the only reason he was coming back was because he missed her and he wanted to continue her adventures in his head, as I'm sure they have been, but actually out into the world like it used to be. And uh, we were sitting around talking and he didn't know at, at that point, we didn't know uh, season eight would be 40 issues. 
Uh, I honestly, <laughs> I honestly thought it would be four, 12 issues and leave it at that. But uh, he was having so much fun at that time that we just, you know, we said, okay, maybe 12 and then maybe 25. Okay. Maybe 30. Okay. Now we really got to stop it at 40 because we're, we're going into so many years. It seems a, a little weak to say that it's a season anymore, but uh, because Joss had gotten all of the writers, or most of the writers involved in the TV show involved in the comic, he was just having such a great time doing all of this. Yeah, all those guys came back for like at least to do a one shot. Yeah, yeah. Number of them yeah, did. with the exception of David Fury and um, the woman. Um, Marty, Marty Knox. Yeah, Marty. Yeah. Uh, all Everybody came out and they were busy doing other things or else they would have come back. So uh, it almost was a trifecta for Joss in doing so. Um, but that's why season... The fact that I pulled that out instantly, if that doesn't clear me off as a fan, <laughs> that I was just like, oh, the woman writer, Marty Knoxon. Oh, I know Jane Espenson did Well, something. yeah, Jane oh, did know. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that just proves to you how much fun these guys were having. They weren't really thinking structure. They were just thinking... Oh my God! It's it's been four or five years since I've written this. This is so great to come back to. And trust me, nobody came back for the paycheck because I'm sure there is a world of difference for what you get for comics and what you get for teleplays. <laughs> oh yeah, season eight very much felt like um, there's a party and everyone's invited. Exactly. We don't know when this party is going to end, but exactly everyone is invited. <laughs> so anyway, we got we sit down for lunch and we're hanging out, and he's like, "So what do you like to draw?" And Joss is very much into this is a collaborative effort. I really want to get a feel for what you want to do and, and all that. And he's like, all right, let me just give you a, a, a basic overview of what's going to happen. And then, you know, you tell me where maybe we can in, inject some things that you might want to do. Uh, and he had mentioned this whole, you know, uh, Buffy's this, 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 and this, and Buffy goes here and Buffy goes there. And then she sleeps with a woman and then Buffy goes here and then does that. And I was like, whoa, 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 hey, what, 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 <laughs> what happened? And, you know, it's almost as if him and Scott had talked about this before because they were really waiting for a reaction going, uh-huh, <laughs> we got him on this one. Okay. And they said, yeah. And I was at that point, I'd become pretty familiar with the uh, series. They had sent me season six and seven. So I just tore right through those on DVD. I was like, Joss, you, you, you can't do this. I was really speaking for the it's sort of an Ava Perone type of thing. I was speaking for the people here because they were not being heard. Uh, I was telling him, Joss, how, how can you do this? You know better. I mean, you're going to have so much flack that Buffy is gay. And, and he just, he explained it to me in such a way that he was like, well, remember when you were in college and you experiment a little and you know, you kind of, and I'm like, yeah, with drugs maybe, but not with the same <laughs> set. But then, you know, it, obviously that does happen. So it's not, out of the realm of possibility and and uh, i was like wow man i i gotta tell you that's uh, that's pretty bold but you know i guess that's why you're here to shake things up so that's how pretty much it came to be and you know he had planned it the whole time because if you'll remember in the first arc satsu was the one who the actually yeah thing. kissed her and yeah, yeah. the cinnamon thing became an issue later yeah so he uh if there were there were a few things he had planned he always planned that dawn was going to be a giant that buffy was going to sleep with a woman and uh, uh, what else that he was trying, he wanted everybody to come back at some point. But of course, at that point, IDW still had the property to Angel, which had Spike as well. So they could not use those characters and any character that was on the Angel show. So he was very adamant about getting that back eventually. Okay. So I'll ask a question about that because this is more of a you question than it's a me question. But, it, you know, I don't think you'll ask it. I don't know what the question is. <laughs> Nail polish and rings. Why is Spike so early 90s? 
what, what guys remember when he came back it was like the off panel stuff he's like enough of this um did you got questions about twilight us spike it, there's this full oh, page yeah, splash yeah, yeah. of him and he has like a billion rings on and this stupid black nail polish i would was there any discussion of like why isn't Spike over the nineties yet? <laughs> well, which the eighteen nineties or the nineteen nineties? <laughs> fair, fair question. Um, I, you know, that was probably me. I was looking at early publicity photos of uh, Spike or James in in his garb, and a lot of us were arguing. Well, if he comes back, what would he be wearing? And Scott Alley wanted him in the uh, button down shirt and. Uh, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, the red yeah. one. I know the red one you're talking. I was about. thinking yeah, yeah. more just I, the I uh, just the t-shirt type of a thing, and so we were going back and forth. And I thought, well, you know, if he's coming back, let's really go all the way and just make it as if he were in season two, coming back that he was, you know, in rings and he had his fingernails painted black. And I just thought that was kind of very, you know, re- rebel type of a thing. So him coming in, I wanted to give him a look because I wasn't as familiar yeah. with Spike at that point. I mean, yeah. that's such a classic Spike look. Like, it, I mean, it is. Yeah, it's Spike. Well, I mean, especially for comics, the idea of, like, him throwing on that red button-up is also going to be a color break in between black and Exactly. White. Which, of course, they, obviously, in the show, they dropped it later on, and in the comics, It works more it. in, like, image more than it, you know, on film versus comics. It definitely, I think, works a little bit better in comics. You need that color. Exactly. Break. And that was the only reason I did it, because, funny you should mention that scene. Joss, is, obviously, Joss is a very big movie guy, and, and I am too. So we developed this language, because I said early on, in his scripts, he'd sometime mention little things. And I said, Joss, I'm a big movie aficionado. So if, if you're ever talking about something and say, hey, remember that scene in Superman where this happens? I'll probably get it more often than not. And that Spike scene, he was like, do you remember that um, uh, Mad Max 2, Beyond Thunderdome, when all of the townspeople were coming to him and he says, if you want to get out of here, you know, you got to talk to me type of a thing. And that's totally where we got that from. Uh, he's like, that's pretty much how I want it. Spike is just standing there and looking all cocky, just like Mel Gibson. And that's how the, the look I want to project. I mean, you, you know, I got a big love for Mad Max that you do not have. <laughs> yeah, I don't really get it that much, but, you know, that's cool. I mean, they're they're, you know they're guy they, testosterone you know the movies. Yeah, I can see that. We watched one of the drive-in. It was lovely. Yeah, you know, the last the drive-in one, we part. saw that. What was so, like, we teared up for different reasons. We went to a drive-in, and we, what was, we saw, it was San a double, Andreas it was a double was feature of San Andreas and Mad Max, and you were crying at San Andreas. At The Rock. The Rock had an emotional the speech. Rock, and been like, my daughter died, and then I'm like, just rolling tears at Mad Max. <laughs> this is the most beautiful thing ever. Look at it. The cinematography. <laughs> And you were like, I hate this. I, <laughs> Why aren't we I feel you. I can't keep a dry eye when I watch uh, Love Actually. I hate to say it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love Love Actually <laughs> so much. <laughs> you can nerd out about that, but let's take a turn and nerd out about Godzilla. Oh, you had to bring that. Because you seem to be a fan. I am. Huge, huge fan. Yeah. Uh, who was? Oh, that was Drew Goddard who did that. Yes, movie. with the Mechadon. And the two of you combined seem to be big into that. Yeah, movie. funny enough, when all that was said and done, he asked for the page of uh, uh, the, the splash of Mechadon. He's like, dude, if you know, if you give me this, I will not sell it. I will not do anything. I, I want this page. This is the page. Cause we went, we talked a little bit and I said, well, all right, I get how we want it to look like a Mechadon, 
and and I tried to keep it as authentic as the Mecha Godzilla. But I, I for some reason, there's always something that sticks in my crow about logistics, and I couldn't figure out the tail. I'm like, well, why would Dawn need Mecha Dawn need a tail? Because Me- Dawn doesn't have a tail, and Mecha Godzilla only had a tail because Godzilla had a tail. And he's like, oh no, oh no, we will have a tail. The tail will be there. <laughs> I, to be honest, I agree with him. It she needs a tail. <laughs> Because you'll notice there's a stupid little thing on, on Mechagodzilla's arm, and it's an MG, if you'll notice. It's an M over a G, of course, to stand for Mechagodzilla. So yeah. in that, if you look in the comic book, I have an MD for Mechadon in that. So, yeah, I was <laughs> I love that. I was pretty authentic with my interpretation. Out of here, is there any kind of Easter egg or little thing that you snuck in that no one has noticed that you did? I thought, you know... Besides Mechadon? <laughs> Mechadon. I do love that. I don't know why, but I thought nobody would ever notice the TARDIS in, uh, in, one, of the, uh, in one of the arcs. And that was the thing that people seem to bring up the most. I know I've put uh, Hellboy's crest on a shield in uh, one of the castles. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. And I know that... Buffy was wearing like the doctor's daughter out. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right. That was, and that's funny because that was a, a a sort of a nod to Doctor Who because I had just seen those episodes and I knew that um, Russell T Davies was a huge Buffy fan because if you'll notice, Torchwood is structured a lot like Buffy. You know, instead of a Hellmouth, there's a rift. And he was very intentional yeah. about doing it that way because he really wanted to uh, imitate that that type of thing. And so I just thought, well, you know, turnabout is fair play. I thought <laughs> the doctor's daughter looked a lot like Buffy. And I wondered, I always wondered too, and if I ever meet Russell T, I, I always mean to ask him, was the doctor's daughter an intent to look like Buffy? Because I really thought she did. So I just naturally put her in what the doctor's daughter wore when Buffy got superpowers. And James Marsters is in both shows. And James was in both, exactly. Oh, you know what? I should have asked you're him. Ne- you're never going to say Torchwood. No. It's fine for the first two seasons, then it goes real downhill real fast. We're trying to make it through Doctor Who, but it's just, life is very busy. What season are you on? And so, I don't even know. Third of the new series. Is it still Tenant? Or, yeah, Tenant is in. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So that's the Martha Jones. Oh, one. okay. Wow, yeah. No, there's coming the... Uh... Yeah, we've been at this for a little while, but we're just busy. No, I... No, it's so... it's good. It's just... Getting through life, getting through a show is it's a commitment. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would argue that Weeping Angels episode is probably some of the best sci fi ever. Oh, yeah, no, it's great. She's not there yet, but yeah, that, I love that. Oh, is stuff. that the one I'm gonna cry on? I cry on everything. <laughs> no, you're gonna cry, you're gonna cry at the end. You're gonna ball your eyes. It won't be pretty when they spend 10 minutes killing him. Oh, yeah, okay. or <laughs> it's they don't. It's not a quick like, well, he's gone now. It's a solid 10 minutes of let's be sad. And it's funny you say that. I'm a Doctor Who fan from way back in the day. You know, my doctor was Tom Baker in the 70s when I was a little kid. And, you know, Sarah Jane Smith. And when they had that episode, funny Uh, enough, with uh, Anthony Head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was up for the role. He was, uh, what's his name? Whoever the eighth one was. I'm blanking on the name. Oh, was he up for the role of the doctor? Really? Yeah, for the TV movie that happened, and I'm going to remember it the second we're done recording. What's no, name? I didn't know that. Well, that's cool. It obviously didn't happen, you know, <laughs> and Buffy might not have happened otherwise, because those were around the same time. Oh, interesting. Because he, he was known for Folgers commercials. Oh, was he? And then he was up, up for the eighth doctor. Paul McGann, Paul I got McGann, that. Paul McGann, that's who it Paul is. Paul McGann. He was up for the Paul McGann role that was the TV movie that didn't go Gotcha. Anywhere. 
Uh-huh. Wow, you have so many useless facts in your brain. <laughs> I know. That is fascinating. That, that is all worthless. No one cares. But I just <laughs> like, oh boy, you remember Paul McGann's name. To your thing of crying, man, I cannot, for some reason, I can't get through that episode without crying. It's And it's not that it's sad, but it's just the idea of, and, and it's true, like the old girlfriend type of a thing. That and she, oh, I love that. Like, she moved on, and yeah. And stuff. she just wonders, you know, did I do something wrong? Why did you leave me? What happened? You know, and here I spent my whole life wondering what happened to you, and you're a tough act to follow. And for some, I seriously, for some reason, I can't watch that episode without crying. No, that's, that is... oh, I'm sure I'll cry when we get there. No <laughs> worries. I, I never watched the spinoff, I don't really want to, though, just because I know that she unfortunately died at the young. Oh, age, yeah, so the I don't Sarah, really want to watch her, the, yeah, the Sarah Connor yeah, Chronicles. I have no interest or, in watching yeah. it. Yeah, it's some of it's good, some of it's actually really, really good. Uh, they bring in, I'm sure I just don't want to do it just knowing kind of that it has a limited run, yeah. Well, yeah, it's only four seasons, I want to say, but and they're only like eight episodes or so, six or six or eight episodes, and they're very short and they are geared more towards children. You can definitely see that, but they do mention at some point what happened to all the other companions and where they ended up, like uh, Ace and uh, uh, the one right before Sarah who was with uh, John Pertwee. She actually comes on the show at some point, so it's it's interesting from that That's point cool. of view, but all of this is. Has nothing to do with Buffy, so we should continue. There's some Pertree over there, if you're curious. Oh, I believe you. If you just look slightly to your right, we got some Pertree over there. I believe all of these things. (laughs) On the DVD shelf. Yeah. Uh What was your favorite part about working on Buffy? Uh, The favorite part. The favorite was just... For everyone who just checked out. (laughs) Let's bring it back to Buffy just for a second. I like going off on other tangents. It was great. It was just, you know, everybody says, oh, because it's funny, at the time, when we were trying to get people to come in, Everyone was kind of like, yeah, no, I really don't want to do Buffy. I've got this Batman thing or I've got the Spider-Man thing. Everything else was cooler than Buffy, you know, just as a title because it hadn't really proved itself yet. And I was just bowled over by the writing. All the writing was so good because everybody who came in was told to write as if it were an episode of the TV show. Don't write it like it's a comic book. Write it like it's an episode that you always wanted to do. You know, like use a submarine or we can go to Tibet or, you know, anything like that. <laughs> yeah. And everybody uh, came or in. all of the above. Yeah, or all of or the above. Tibet. Yeah. <laughs> like, gosh, nothing terrible has happened to Tibet. Let's just make it worse. <laughs> so my favorite was just the writing. The writing was so spot on. And the language, of course, is there that it was a joy to read the script before it ever became visual. And I felt I felt a, a real honor to be one of the first few people to have read, you know, a Jane Espenson or a Stephen Denight or a Drew Goddard script. And it was really cool. Yeah, because I mean, she really shone through in that Oz arc that she did. That was kind of, I think, the highlight of uh, what she did on the book. Yeah, Jane. Jane is great. Josh paid her such a great compliment. He said, I wish I was as quick as she was and talented as she is. I'd do a whole lot more work if that were the case. There's this one line that really stuck with me. Um, I don't think I'm going to get it exactly, but it was just, you could tell when show writers were on there, it was a line that Willow had that was like, hey, Buff, do you want to hold the baby? He's a real master of patty cake or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, but don't let him hustle you or something. When it came through, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was just 100% Willow. I'm like, man, you can really feel that show writers are on this book. Yeah. Well, that's why it was so fun for us to read it is because there's so much love that comes through in, in the writing, obviously in the art as well. Like, there's just so much love for these books and for these characters. And it's not just a job. It's clearly that 
people care so much about this world and they want it to continue. And, and that's what makes it fun. Yeah. That's why I'm dumbfounded when people I talk to and I ask, Hey, have you read Buffy? You know, you know, it's continued if you were a huge fan and you know, of course they'll start out. Oh my God, I am the biggest Buffy fan. You don't realize. And of course you're going, well, what did you think of the comics? Oh no, I haven't read the comics, but I'm just such a huge fan. Like, well, if you love that, the authenticity is there. How can you, you would love the comics just as much as the uh, TV show to a certain degree? And it's it's almost a, a quest to get people to read the comic book because it's in a different format, you know, and I never understood that. That first book, looking back at the numbers, issue one did over 100K. That was a top 10 book that month. Yeah, I didn't realize in Dark Horse took it by surprise also because I got royalties from that uh, arc and Dark Horse was like, we, we don't ever really give royalties. This is a strange phenomenon here. <laughs> so how did the fan base change? Because I mean, the book starts like it's a top 10 book that month, which for Dark Horse is kind of unheard. Of. Yeah. And even at the time, like doing over 100K of a book, the book definitely wielded itself down to kind of a core fan base. How did the reaction kind of change from people who are reading it for you? You know, there are a lot of things where you can look back now and say what what we did wrong, what we could have done right. And I think it suffered because it did not have kind of like the way I feel. I hate to say it about the uh, the Walking Dead comic book. It just doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Like, OK, here you are, 100 issues. Where are you going? You know, are, are we going to go somewhere it, or is it just aimlessly walking and going? And I thought for I think after issue 25 or something of Buffy, I wouldn't say that we jumped the shark, but there was definitely a, well, OK, where are we going? You know, what are we doing? And, and have we been planning for this? And the truth is we hadn't been. So the idea of here, let's end this at a certain issue then became an issue uh, deep well into the book, because, again, like I said, Joss and everybody involved was just having too much fun to say, well, where does this end exactly? Because everything that happens has to end somewhere. And that's where I think we suffered, if anything, and I think lost a lot of people in doing so. Well, it's funny you say that because that's always been Zach's big thing is he's like, it, it has to end at some point. The Buffy story has to end and I want it to end right. And then when they announced the end, he was like, he called me that day and he was like, it's it's ending. And I was like, what's ending? Like, is somebody dying? And he was like, like we're getting the divorced. Book, the book it's is over. ending. I was like, what What are we talking about Aww. here? So it's funny. Oh, no. And then when the final issue came, I got texts at school every every like hour, like the UPS guy is coming in 20 minutes. It's coming oh, it in like, no, two UPS hours. Like, like, he's outside. You mean the, he's gathering the boxes. The final issue of season eight or the final issue of season 12? Uh, of season 12 i mean season eight season eight yeah. i didn't i didn't know you we then, didn't but... have to talk about the giles death together <laughs> no like, giles we talked about gone. it later uh angel did it with a regular face instead of a vampire face that's different it makes it worse <laughs> yeah. but so it's funny that you say that that you guys were worried about endings back then for that season because then you were worried about endings in general. Yeah, well, this obviously season 12 was felicitated because we uh, or Dark Horse just wasn't going to have the uh, property anymore. So it had to. Yeah, end. I'm the whole I mean, I don't know the logistics in and out, but Fox grabbing all their properties up. I'm assuming that has something to do with the Disney deal of them buying up Fox properties. Like you got to get your stuff back before we buy you up is kind of what I'm guessing is happening internally. Yeah. It's very, it's very muddy waters, but that's, yeah, I can tell you that dark horse is very reluctant to let it go. And they, they definitely tried a lot to keep the universe, the, the Whedon universe where it was. And Joss was very reluctant to let it go as well. So yeah, it's, it's sad all around. I think 
when I mean when season eleven was happening, I think when I was going through the numbers, I think Buffy was like their top like number five book they were doing at the time. Oh wow. So yeah, I can imagine they didn't want to let it go. But yeah, I I assume it's due to the Disney acquisition of buying Fox up and Fox is like we need to get our stuff back together for this to happen. Well, and I'm sure it hurt That's a stab in the dark, but Well it hurt even I'm more. Probably guess I'm not far off. <laughs> it hurt even more because I uh, I think I was told that actually Serenity sold more. The Serenity crowd is more of a comic crowd, and that book sold more or used or used to sell more than Buffy, all things being fair. I don't know what I don't remember what their numbers looked like. I know, and it wasn't the one that you did. It was the Shepherd book. Oh um, yeah, Chris ODN Chris Simmons. was yeah yeah that was his that was their number one selling graphic novel when that one came out. Mm. And I know that I'm real pissy about because the story that you were doing at the end of the Firefly stuff. I'm like, all right, we're like this is the last one that happened. I'm like, this is the Empire Strikes Back <laughs> version of this story. Like. What's the next one? I'm like, ah. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's, it's not happening. It was always proposed as a trilogy. And there was supposed to be another six or so issues uh, coming into. Because, yeah, I think the obviously like Empire, it, it finishes where, okay, you kind of resolved this, but there's a bigger hell. issue here. And I don't know if you listened to the podcast where we did it, but I'll blow it up. My favorite thing that you did for art that I've seen of yours, because I, I haven't seen everything. Because. <laughs> Who has? I mean, every. Uh, it's been 25 years. Massive body yeah. of work. But there's um, this page that you did of Zoe and the operative, and she throws him the gun, and you do this big pan out of the two of them just facing down, and you don't see. Yeah, what happened? The shootout, yeah. but Zoe walks out, and goddamn, man, that is one of my favorite pieces of art of all time of just the two of them in the woods when you do that big pull out yeah. and you see like this western style wide shot of the two of them facing down. I love that page in such a big bad way. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I uh, And that was uh, uh, Zach Whedon who uh, did the writing on that. And I I'd mentioned to him, I thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, all right, yeah, we don't explain any of that. You know, right, you're left up to the audience's imagination as to what happened. But she actually... Oh, he's dead as hell. Well, well, yeah, okay, you could, you could say that. Or you could say maybe he, he had a fatal wound and he got better. But uh, I wanted, I thought, wouldn't it be kind of cool if... if Zoe is kind of holding herself underneath maybe her arm or someplace just to indicate in some way that she also got shot, but she's not doing anything about it until she gets inside because she doesn't want to ruin that moment. But I always thought, wouldn't it be cool if she actually got shot as well, which would leave you to wonder, well, did she win or did she lose? Or maybe the operative then said, I'm going to spare you because, you know, I could just shoot you again and then you'd be dead. My brain says that Zoe was faster with kind of like righteous vengeance. <laughs> she, that's what I want to say. I want to say that Zoe shot him between the eyes. That's the end of it. <laughs> that he didn't stand a chance up against you were the fault for my husband's death. And also, um, if I die, shoot someone between the eyes. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Be real fast with it. it Zoe is, style. It is funny, though, because when we were first watching Firefly and then we watched Serenity and when that happened... We turned off the Blu-ray and you immediately went and got the graphic novel and you were like, but you have to look at this page <laughs> like, now because you have guy. to see what happens. <laughs> and and so... Because he deserves every second. I, you know, that's that's so funny. That's probably the first piece of your work that I've ever seen as well. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, like yeah. that for, one page, like you, know, you have to look at this right now. As we're talking Buffy, I was that for me, that was that's my favorite thing that I've seen you do was that like 
wide shot of the two of them in the woods. Yeah. Oh well, that's a that's a big thing. I can tell you that about uh, slipping things in uh, unintent or intentionally or unintentionally. Joss was very big on not combining those two worlds because when I was doing Buffy. I thought, oh, can we have like some maybe maybe like the uh, Serenity behind her at some point, you know, like a little toy, like an ornament or something and all that. And he's like, wasn't she wearing a Serenity? Well, that was yeah, the, the only thing I could ever get by him because the cover was done and I kind of did it. And it's a little obscured. But had Joss caught it in time, he probably would have said, no, redo the shirt because I don't want those two worlds meshing. So, yeah, that was the only thing I could ever get by. And it was something I got. It's one of those things you sort of beg for forgiveness, then ask for permission. And I just didn't yeah, think yeah. about oh, it 100%. at the time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because that was the issue one B cover. Yeah, if yeah. Memory serves. Wow. Again, with the <laughs> impressive amount of information that you know. <laughs> but yeah, I remember that. Um, So I'm kind of curious about season 12, because that is such a tight story. How did... It felt like that you had to draw smaller panels to cram in as much as humanly possible. It was. And there was there was there was very little fat on this story. Oh yeah, no, there was. V- oh, it is so impressive what you guys did on there. I I am like, just so blown away. Like the most you can do, be like, eh, maybe cut one fight page. Yeah, but beyond that, yeah, that is, that is a tight tight story. which you know which uh, like you guys, I'm sure you you love the banter, you love the back and forth between the characters, and I think. That's what we kind of had to sacrifice by making it a shorter book and a tighter story. You don't get as much of the conversation, you know, of of the characters. You know, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of Andrew and how, you know, where his life is and how he's affected by things going in. And, you know, just what what happened to Satsu and where is everybody else since this is the end? Oh, yeah, all, I mean, all the additional Slayers are gone. Yeah, right? yeah. Since Which I understand the why of it. I Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that sort of thing. But obviously, given time and the constraints, I was always pushing, too. It's like, you know what? Fine. If this is four issues... Where is it written that it has to be 22 pages? Let's let's make the last issue 10 pages longer. Let's you know, I don't I'm sure everybody reading this is not going to want to get through it quickly. Was it? Was there what was the pa- was the page? Kind of uh, no, no, no. Was... It was 22 pages. But I was lobbying yeah. for something to say, let's just make it a little bit longer because nobody wants yeah, this I mean, to end. That's what you got. If we got four issues. That's though, clever. I like that. You know, get as much as we can. In. Yeah, yeah. So but they're like, no, you know, budget the way it is. and. We got to make sure we can get the uh, trade out on time, so we have to do it this way. Well, it is yeah. very impressive, and thank you. It could not have ended better than it did. You guys, I'm curious? Um, how is because it's only been like a week? How has the reaction been to the ending? Uh, I've heard, you know, pretty much positive things. The, obviously, the the most ongoing criticism is that it's so short. Uh, you know, there it was only four issues, and everyone's thinking, God, this could have been so much longer. And, you know, obviously. I mean, that seemed that was the mandate yeah. though from Fox. There wasn't a choice. No, no, there really wasn't. Know. No, well, there wasn't a choice to say if you want to do these issues singularly and then get out a trade. This is how it has to be because the trade comes out in December, and I believe at the end of December they lose the, uh, or yeah, at the end yeah, of December that's... they lose the franchise. And it's weird that like they keep on saying like, "Oh, this is the end," but maybe we'll do more. I'm like, but you can't <laughs> legally. You, like, there's nothing like. What what is well, that? you know, it's, it's sort like, of we, we can do it's more. going out on a hopeful note. You never want to go. All right, this is it. We're done. Get out of here. Don't come back. Lock the door. We're in. Yeah. No, I like the hopeful note. So do I. I'm an optimist. It's, I am, too. That's why I'm always like, nobody needs to die in these things. <laughs> and and all along, Zach was like, they're going to kill one. Right. Somebody's going to die like, at the end. And I was like, nobody's going to die. Nobody's going to die. And nobody died. It's the best. Uh, you don't know Joss very well. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I saw an interview and he was like, we joked about the idea of killing everybody. I'm like, I'm too invested for you to kill everyone <laughs> at this point. Right. I think Illyria was the only real sacrifice you could say was in the book. Yeah. But she's still alive. She's like, fine. like there's a, there's that note of hope as well. <laughs> she's not totally gone. She is, so. but I guess the, the difference there is that she's back in a situation where she was a tyrant and that she would then mm. embrace that life again. Do you know if there was any attempt to connect Illyria's story to what happened with the IDW stuff with After the Fall? Because that ends with Illyria going to her full demon form and being all pissy and she tries to end the world versus this version of her going to her full form and saving the world. Do you know if there was any idea to connect those two stories or is that just a happy coincidence? I don't know what the, the official version would probably be. Yeah, it's a happy coincidence. All right, I'll live with that. I'm fine. It, it totally works, so I don't care. The real version was, yeah, no, Dark Horse and IDW were very separate, and never the twain shall meet in these two cases. So what they did, they did, and what Dark Horse did, Dark Horse did. They didn't want any of the two rubbing off on one another. Yeah, and I mean, we, we've talked to Chris Rael, who edited all those books before, and yeah, that kind of seemed to be the impression. Yeah. That Dark Horse was like, we're a little bit pissed off that we sold these rights and you get to do stuff with them. Pretty much. And we'd, like, and we'd like our money if we could. That was it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was the impression I got. Like, we want to get paid. We're so annoyed we sold these two. <laughs> but, you know, money doesn't ever enter into stories. Of course not. It doesn't shape the course of young men's lives. <laughs> it's only in the best interest of story. That's how everything happens, right? <laughs> or young slaves. In my lives. world, it is. In yeah. Your, yeah, in your world, that's what you I want. have a very rosy view on everything. <laughs> your least favorite words that I say, it's like, um, if I say like contract negotiations, you're like, eh, contracts. <laughs> but what of the story? Yes. Come on, guys. I know, that's why I like novels so much, because just there's not as many possibility of other people's interference, and there are, totally, but, fewer. you know, there are fewer instances, so. Um, so for you, I'm curious, what was the process like with working with different guys because you worked with some big name guys between like Whedon or Brian K. Vaughn or Brad Meltzer. These aren't small names. Yeah, no, I was, man, I, 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 it was one of those things you you don't get caught up in how big the storm is when you're right in the middle of it. And that's the way it was for me because when I was working on a previous script with maybe Joss or somebody, you know, they then say, well, here, we've got this coming up and, you know, Brian K. Vaughn is going to come in and do this or Drew is going to come in in here and do that. You, you don't have time to go, whoa, wait a minute, let me absorb the magnitude of this. You just kind of go, OK, well, I'll be done by this date. So hopefully they'll have a script for me at this date. And you just kind of accept that. All right. This is the way life is. And, you know, I'm just that's what I what I meant when the, the most favorite part for me about doing the book was working with all of these great writers. Because they turned in such great scripts. You know, Brian Kay came in, not just because him and Josh knew each other from Runaways, but he had been a huge Faith fan. And he was from, uh, Cle is it Cleveland? Or where, where is it? Yeah, yeah, Where's she from? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the, um, well, she's from Boston. The Boston, yeah. Cleveland. Right. So yeah. he was like, I want to write Faith because I know that character. I know her. You know, I'm from Cleveland myself or Boston. And I know that character. And if you're if I'm going to write anybody, I'm going to write her. That's that was the reason why her arc came so early in the book in the beginning. Because I, I bought some art off you a ways back. You sent me like, I forget what they're called, like these little like kind of 
books they were kind of like explaining thing that was from an unproduced video game script was the idea for that yeah yeah that's what i heard where faith goes after rogue slayers was uh, an idea for an unproduced video game that's kind of cool it it was yeah Yeah, that is i mean it turned out as also a cool comic arc so it all works out but yeah well they fleshed it out of course and say i love the yeah i love the idea because it was never really brought in and i think once faith got her own arc we could really focus on this but I always said the idea that Faith is always going to be second. As long as Buffy's around, she's always going to be number two. You know, it's almost like siblings where mom and dad love you the most. Or in this case, dad, Giles, loves you the most. And you're the you're the prettiest and you're the prim and you're the one who can do no wrong. And then there's me. And that's going to be the case. And I, I thought that really came to a great head when, you know, Buffy or Faith is choking Buffy. Not for any other reason other than I'm just so sick of being number two. You know, I'm so yeah. sick of being in your shadow. And, you know, that's why I, I remember drawing that with Buffy being very surprised that Faith was trying to kill her. Or it felt like, God, you really were going after me. This wasn't just a little angry tiff. This is really a big deal. And then, of course, she disappears before anything could happen. But I always thought that was a lot a lot of telling in a story that you didn't get too much of from a character who's who's been beloved as almost as much as Buffy. Because there was a few characters in that arc that maybe was- Makes me think of it. How is it designing new either creature designs or character designs? Because you're not just dealing with the main core group. You had to go whole cloth for some new ones. What was that like for you? Yeah, that's great. And that's always great as an artist. You know, you you come in there and you want to draw and you want to put your stamp on something and you want to make it like, hey, this is me. And they, I always had through all of it such great freedom. Joss was very giving. And every all the writers coming in, who hadn't written comics, they always eventually said, I will defer to you because you do this. I'm just sort of coming in as a guest star, but I will defer to you as how you think this should look or how you think this should play. So everyone was very generous with what they gave me visually. So a lot of what you see visually is just me. And that's really, that's why I could stick in so many little things here and there, little Godzillas and Hellboys and Doctor Who's and all of that, just because I was having fun with it. And, you know, creating things like here, this is where does Faith live? Okay, well, where does she live? And then you start thinking of things that maybe would be in her apartment or what kind of a sweater would Joss wear? And I thought he probably was a big Beatles fan back in the day. Yeah, so. yellow submarine. Yeah, one. there's a yellow yeah. submarine. Yeah, so. I mean, you... Because you've done a few Beatles references in your stuff. There was yeah, the Yellow Submarine thing. There was the uh, Serenity book that was the Abbey Road one. Yeah, yeah. That was at the last minute. That thing was colored, inked, everything. It was ready to go. And at the last minute, Fox said, no, we're not going to do this. We yeah, can't allow this. I was like, that's oh. dumb. I wanted that one. Because I saw, the, I mean, the alt that went up and said, I was like, I want the Abbey Road one. Yeah, yeah. Because that was a thing I just naturally thought. Because we were trying to think of, you know, let's that became very popular. Let's do an album, you know, or a cover that kind of there's a homage, what what became known as homage covers. And we somebody had mentioned Beatles. It might have been me or the editor uh, at the time. In episode one of Firefly, they do a Beatles reference. So the Beatles are still around. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that um, because they have the fake signal for the alliance to follow like cry baby cry make your mother sigh and they shoot off oh okay fake signal that's like in a trash can yeah yeah because i i took it one step further i thought well what if funny enough they were actually walking across abbey road in the year whatever 23 whatever year they're in and i thought well what would abbey road look like now 
<laughs> and basically that's what, what I'd done. Because there are some telltale things. You still see the cars that were in the original Beatles. Yeah. And then I think I put Joss's birthday because supposedly it was Paul's birthday on one of the license plates. And, you know, all of the things that were little catch things for the Abbey Road album, I tried to make it appropriate to the Serenity album. So if you look oh, really hard. About Abbey That's Road. So I didn't cool. know that Paul's birthday was in there. I just learned a thing. Yeah, yeah I, I could be wrong, but I think it's somebody's birthday or Paul's death. One of those two. It's, oh, it's one of those. Like Paula's dead thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then that's why, yeah, River is and barefoot. She's barefoot half the right. time anyway. Paul is barefoot too, but you'll notice the same characters are the same characters right. as the Beatles. And River is barefoot because Paul was barefoot and all of that. So, and then of course, Mal is, is John. So he's in front and all of that. So I thought, yeah, it was really clever. <laughs> I don't give myself that credit often, but I thought it was really clever. And it got yanked at the last minute. And so I had to kind of draw this little patch to put over it with just the, you know, basically it looks weird, but they're all standing in the middle of the street getting ready. Yeah. You should go, so. hey, they referenced the Beatle in episode one. Like, come on. Like it's no, and that, well, I'll take you one further because Fox was okay. The the Simpsons did a, an Abbey Road reference years and years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, the Rolling Stone. They did those. Th- uh, there was what Nirvana, Bruce Springsteen, and the Beatles. They did right. those covers, and they they were okay with that. So we were kind Why of are arguing. Be like that. <laughs> oh, and no, it makes me laugh because you have mentioned every single one of his favorite things in this world in this interview, and that just makes me <laughs> laugh. Like Serenity firefly simpsons he has a tattoo of the beatles on his arm like literally everything it is just so funny serenity are tattooed on the same arm yeah this will be the best interview ever oh my gosh it just makes me laugh so much though yeah because yeah uh what let's say that's 2003 2004 rolling stone um had the simpsons recreate famous covers yeah right yeah they did uh, what's the name of that nirvana album Oh, was it uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever that album is. And then they did uh, what? Born in the... What was the Springsteen with Born in the USA? Yeah, Born in the USA with the jeans and the the handkerchief. Yeah. Yep. But it does just make me laugh. So somehow... (laughs) And Godzilla. Like, literally, you've mentioned all of his favorite things in this world. So... That well, is just I'm, so uh, funny. we're going to have to go back to your uh, counter there and just start mentioning off all of the characters. And oh, yeah. Speak no, a can, little about all of them. We could just go around, go down the line. <laughs> go, go through the Next room. up is King Kong. Like, <laughs> is that <laughs> who is that? And Buffy. Who's that in the middle with the blue pants? I can't figure that one out. That one? Yeah. Th- that's uh, Cordelia. Cordelia. Oh, Cordelia. Was there a doll doll? I know there was a a, a plastic action figure. Where is it? Yeah. Oh, it, okay. In her, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Palea I bought those thing. in a comic yeah. shop years and years ago. They were in a discount bin for like a couple bucks a pop, so I just bought them. No, I never saw that one. Wow, and that's I cool. Had, I had them in um, their packages for years. I'm, I'm not normally that guy, but I just had them. But then I took them out one day to put them up, and all the glue just let go. I'm like, well, I don't care anymore. <laughs> Let's just take them out. Doesn't matter. Yeah, those plastic cases become yellow after a while. And you're like, oh, maybe I should open it, it on principle. I, it didn't matter. I was like, oh, no, they've lost their value. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Funny. It was literally just, yeah, the glue let go of the boxes. I was like, who cares? Yeah, I've got a couple books like that. You've had a long run on the book. What were kind of the challenges that came up with it? I know. This is going to have to be a two-parter. I know. <laughs> Uh, was staying on schedule, actually, really trying to that. I hate the idea that there were so many fill in in not because, well, yeah, as an artist, you want to do everything and you want everything to be you, 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 you. But 
I was really diligent about taking the time and really putting in the effort. And I just hated the fact that there had to be fill-in of other good stories that I really wanted to do. I totally regret not doing the uh, fifth issue where, you know, the uh, Unknown Slayer. I was like, I read that script and I thought this was great. Cliff Richards, I think. Yeah, that was uh, Cliff Richards. Oh, no, no, that was... Memories. (laughs) No, that was uh, uh, the other the other one. Um, not Cliff, but uh, he did a lot of Buffy also. I can't. I thought it was him. I might be wrong though. Oh God! It was. Uh, oh, if I didn't have anything packed up too, I, I, I could look, look at it. it up. Uh, it's the other Buffy artist because he had done a lot of stuff while Cliff was also doing books. Weeks. I want to say it's not weeks. Uh, Buffy season eight, number five. Who did it? Paul Lee. Paul Lee. I knew it was a Lee somewhere. See, you were in there. Yeah. Lee Weeks. Yeah, and then I mean you were back at issue six. I yeah. mean, I'm, at this point, I'm just looking at Wikipedia, telling you things that you did. <laughs> yeah, that was with the. What face a great thing. interview! Remember, remember this. Yeah, I mean, I hated to turn down that issue, but there was no way I was going to turn down the uh, Faith arc because oh, I just yeah. thought that was way, way too good. There must have been a bit of a reprieve because when Carl Moline came back and did the Frey stuff, that totally made sense, just because you know he was the guy who did it before. Well, that was a mandate. It's funny. I didn't know Carl at the time, and Carl was very, and rightly so. He's like, no, that's my character. I want to draw that character. Because <laughs> I, was, I was saying to Joss, well, why don't I do all the stuff that happens in the real time, and then he can do all the stuff that happens in the future. And Carl's like, no, no, no. I want it. I want it all. I want it all. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do it all. And I was like, oh, okay. Fair enough. All right. All right. Well, whatever. That's what happened with the Jeff Loeb issue. Uh, right. Well, that one was always intended because that cartoon interlude was, was supposed to be one of the animated, uh, cartoons. Yeah, because you did this, well, the Right, back, the, um, the bookends. Issue. Yeah, the two bookend pieces, which, you know, it fits in the context of it all. Oh, yeah, 100%. And then the uh, illustrators on that, those were a couple of the illustrators who were actually drawing the animated, uh, version at that time. Yeah, that was a kind of badass way to sneak that in. It was. It was, it was that, really that was never, cool. It was never going to see the light of day, so if you're going to find a way to make it work. Yeah, unfortunately, but that was a great way. And again, you know, we were we were so busy, or they were so busy having fun, they didn't realize, well, this is another issue, guys. This is another month <laughs> that we're going to take out of continuity from this big, you know, story we're telling. So it really got got uh, got away from us to a certain degree. Um, how did you react to the Twilight reveal that Diamond screwed up? I actually mentioned that to Scott Alley, uh, a friend of mine here who's a huge Buffy fan. Uh, hey, Robert. Uh, he, uh, he had said... <laughs> hey, Robert, he, how's it going? <laughs> he works in a comic shop, and he texted me saying, hey, did you see that this cover just came out through, uh, through Diamond Solicitations? And I was like, oh, no. What? I thought they were going to use this as a big reveal. Why did they do this? So I just texted Scott, my, my editor, saying, hey, I thought this was going to be a surprise. What happened? And then he's like, what? what? And he called me. He like called me right back. Oh, what, what, what? Did you do this? What, was this something? Did you, did you let it go? I'm like, no, no, this wasn't me. I'm asking you what happened. And he's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, let me get back to you. And that was a thing. And then later on, I'd heard, man, that was a very intense meeting. And Joss apparently doesn't get mad very often. But he, uh, he had some choice words, apparently, at that meeting. Yeah, because I remember they ended up like, changing their solicitation afterwards to only like show part of the cover i'm like guys it's too late we all right. know 
And then even so, they tried to reword it saying, you may know who it is, but you don't know the half of it. And it's like, yeah, we got caught with yeah, our Yeah, no, we down. all know what it is. It's, it's out yeah. there. Huh. I, yeah, because I remember when that happened, I was like, ah, that was a mistake. <laughs> I wasn't like angry at it. I was just like, well, you messed up. That's unfortunate. Very much so. We definitely got caught with our pants down on that one. And then it became something in marketing or something. They just had the wrong cover. They didn't realize, you know, not all of it was supposed to be shown. And there was, so. Oh, yeah, because you ended up doing that um, Barack cover. Yeah, the Barack Obama cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was the like the amazing Spider-Man homage cover that was like Barack instead of. Yeah, the Angel. reveal of uh, Hobgoblin. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's funny. I actually remember it because I read this all in trade later. And so I was reading through these issues and I got to the one where you where it was spoiled in the solicitations. And he was like, do you want to see what the cover was that I saw at this point? Or do you want to keep reading? I was like, I'll just keep reading. (laughs) It's more fun this way. So I, it wasn't spoiled for me. (laughs) Oh, good. Good, good. I mean, it was only two months. It wasn't that big of a deal at that point. I always wondered how big of a reveal was it that Angel was was Twilight? It was surprising to me. It was a one in three chance. Right, because there could Um, only be a certain number of people. Because right. there was, I think I want to say it was issue 10 um, that you drew that like Buffy does kind of the crotch up, like split you in half. Right. Shot, and he says, I which, know that moves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so that narrows it down to Spike, Angel or Caleb. And at right. the time with the IDW stuff happening, which we didn't know at the time was happening before all of this, I assumed it was Caleb just because Angel and Spike were doing something that at the time I thought was simultaneous. Uh, okay. So, so I was sold on the Caleb idea of it. I'm like, well, out of the three people, two of them are doing something and I know what it is, and there's only one of them left. Right. So that well, was, that, that was, was always, my read of it. That was always a constant, and Joss had that from the from the get-go. Because there's the we... whole, like, he th- throws a church at her. I'm like, that's real Caleb-like. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, go ahead, church me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Someone else remembers the dialogue, too. <laughs> it's not just me. But yeah, we went back and forth with that mask, too. That was a big thing. Joss really wanted, he wanted the jacket because in retrospect, he wanted people to go back and go, oh, look, he's wearing a trench coat. Okay, not yeah. a big thing. And I was thinking of sort of a wrestler's mask. And while I thought that given this character was such a big deal, we would go back and forth forever with this. And in all honesty, I did a couple of drawings here and there, and Joss settled on one and said, yeah, I love it. Let's go with that. Yeah, it's very luchador-esque, the way that yeah. it ended up. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, really? That's it? You don't you don't want to debate? You don't want to fight about it a little bit? He's like, no, no, looks good. He has yeah, too many well. belts that a man would need. Who needs more than one? <laughs> exactly. Three is too many belts. And to this credit, there was only one time I've ever seen anybody cosplay as uh, Twilight. Oh, which really? Was really? So wow. cool, yeah. Well, in the 10 we years shows, i like to play um a drinking game which is you have to take a shot every time you see a harley and every time you see a negan you have to take a drink but we don't actually <laughs> play this as a drinking game because we would die we would die <laughs> but drunk. but it is it is a fun game to watch yeah if you see a mashup you have to take two drinks because <laughs> those exist i've never seen a twilight one though no i haven't either but i like that maybe this yeah year. yeah yeah I mean, that be at this point. It's been a while. That'd be a deep pull now. Yeah, if that really would. Yeah, because like I said, it it I've seen. I saw it back when that was popular. And yeah, I haven't seen one since. I mean, they just don't want to buy that many belts. <laughs> <laughs> like, like three belts. And here, Andrew made very specific instructions as to that's why they don't wear belts. 
That reminds me in a big roundabout way. You had to recreate some stuff that uh, Walt Simonson did. What was that like? Oh, yeah, that big uh, Teen Titans X-Men yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, that was the writer. Um, that was Brad Meltzer on that. Brad Meltzer, yeah, who was coming in, and he loved the idea of just putting everything in the kitchen sink in there. And uh, Yeah, that was he like basically, the, the big comic book yards. Like, we're going to make, like, all these references, and we're going to have, like, the, you know, insane, yeah. like, space sex and through a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and he had, very specific, he had very specific ideas as to the homage covers. He wanted every cover to be a homage cover. So exactly. it was, yeah, it was a huge deal as we were doing it. And yeah, it was, uh, it was, I had to reference it, but you know, any, any comic aficionado would know it and, and remember it. Uh, I didn't really understand the relevance of it, to be honest with you, as yeah, it much. It didn't do anything, but it was just a fun reference. Because yeah, if you'll notice too, there was the, the uh, bridge of the Enterprise was in that also. And then Andrew gets to dress up in uh, a cavalcade of, of uh, armor. Yeah, from I don't Superhero understand Lord. how licensing like that works. I didn't either. I think it because it was in pieces, it wasn't necessarily accurate. You know, if you're just seeing a glove right. or you're just seeing a shield or, you know, just a piece of something, you could get away with. Yeah, I remember seeing them like, boy, that is a licensing nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure is the reaction you're supposed to have. I think if yeah, uh, true comic fans will get it, but even even so, doing it, you can say, well, all right, that's still sort of left up to a... a interpretation i don't know so i guess if we're gonna kind of come up to our ending reflecting on the whole thing how has this kind of been for your career what do you how do you kind of look back on this whole 11 year ordeal it was something that i will forever be indebted to scott alley for because when this first came about i was like everybody else i was like "Eh, buffy really Eh, i'm not as interested in doing that and at the time, I was offered The Flash. Uh, I think Mark, uh, Mark Wade was going to be drawing it, and they were going to reintroduce it. And they were really looking at me to do the book. And I thought, wow, that's what I want to do. You know, that's because I'm a comic book artist. That's what I want to do. And, mm-hmm. and Scott, when I told Scott this, uh, he was very candid and very, and to his credit, the, the guy had the, the wisdom of Solomon. And he said, look, how many people have drawn the flash over the years, you know, and you will never be remembered for the flash. If you do this, you will forever be remembered for Buffy. And of course, at that time, you don't believe it, but (laughs) true enough, that prophecy came to pass. I think Freddie Mm -hmm. Williams took over around that time. If memory serves Uh, for the flash. I think so. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Who that was, but that was when he had the sort of the speed force and he had his kids like he had two kids and all that, and that's when I was supposed to jump on. I'm gonna take a stab in the dark and say it was Freddie Williams. Oh uh, yeah, could have been. Oh, I have no idea, but I believe all of you. And well, the be best honest, thing I remember that a lot less than I remember Buffy. <laughs> the best thing about doing Buffy is that it's allowed me to travel literally to the other side of the world. I've gone to Australia, to the UK, to Paris, just pretty much everywhere on the strength of this this love for this character, you know, and I, I could not be more humbled and more grateful for this sort of thing. It's been a great ride. You know, if I'm never remembered for anything else, I, it's not, I don't consider it to be a bad thing that I'm remembered as the Buffy artist. I mean, I can tell you within the comic shop that I have and within our house, you're up there. You are well represented. <laughs> so thank you. We, we got you up in It frame. is beautiful. I'm hoping it's not the only thing I'll ever do. So, no. so you know, we, don't worry. It's also not the end of our comic art buying, I'm sure. So yeah, yeah, I mean, for us, we will... it's, not a, it's not a bad representation to have up. 
which yeah. in a weird way, I'm, I'm way more proud of the work I did on Serenity just because I think it looks a lot better than, I mean, I, I love what I did on Buffy and, and, and I'm very proud of that, but I think I really nailed the Serenity stuff. You know, there are very few times where you look at something going, yeah, that was, yeah, okay, this is the way it should look. And I always look at Serenity now. I can barely look at a lot of things that I do in hindsight, but I look at Serenity thinking, this had the really good artist, this had a really good writer, this had a really good colorist, this had a really good inker, okay, and so I was I'll, a part of that. I have a Serenity question then. Um, with the character of B, if there's any fault that Firefly and Serenity has, like, it's a mix of Asian and American <laughs> culture. We just don't that, have Asians. And that was, which that is was weird. me. So, yeah. Oh, were you, you were the one who was like, we should make B Asian because where are well, the Asians? Yeah, because Zach was like, well, there's this character. Her name is B. And, you know, he just said Beatrice. And you know, a name like that, that doesn't sound like it's Asian or <laughs> Pan American or anything like that. And I was like, well, do you have a, a reference to her? And like, well, I guess we could make her black. You know, everybody sort of has the go-to black. And they're like, well, wait a minute. We've already got Jubal, and we've already got the operative coming in. That seems like a lot of black people in this thing. <laughs> Let's uh, Maybe we shouldn't have so many black people doing this. And yeah, just, um, It definitely, a show that's supposed to be half Asian definitely lacked Asians. Yeah, and for all the listeners out there, I am half black. So I, I say this with a sense of irony. <laughs> Because I always thought, man, even I can feel like you guys just put a lot of black people in here or Spanish people in here just to have that quota be done. So I did. I mentioned it to him. Well, what if, you know, obviously in this future, everybody's mixed to the point of of uh, a soup. He is very much an Asian character. And he's like, yeah, okay." You know, they were very like, yeah, okay. if you want to make her Asian, go ahead. There was never a reference to her being Asian. Because, boy, that series that desperately lacked Asian representation yeah. <laughs> in a book that's supposed to be, or in a series or book or whatever you want to call it, supposed to be half Asian where no one was Asian. Yeah, there but was that a, was a stunt guy that got stabbed in the movie. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, look at that one guy who's dead. Who but that was my, uh, yeah, that was my one little con- contribution to the whole series was that yeah, I got that to. That makes sense in a big way because that and, it. and yeah, it was, it was well needed. <laughs> that and what she wore because I thought she was very much a fan of Mal Reynolds and a lot yeah. of the way she wears is very Mal like. You'll notice if you go back and look at her, she wears a lot of what kind of he wore, and she's basically honoring him because of his legend from uh oh god from Miranda from the whole Miranda thing. No, that um, that series just frustrates me because I want it to have a proper ending. I do too, man. I I, I kind of hope maybe I or a boom will call me and said, "Hey, remember that series? Are you interested in finishing it?" But I've, um, very briefly, I was talking to Greg Pack about it. I was like, "Hey, man, are these oh, connected cool. in, yeah. in any way, shape, or form?" He's like, "No, no, but I've yeah. read them. Like, That's a start." <laughs> That they're is doing, that is a uh, good start. They're doing prequels, is what I'm what I'm told. Yeah, so, so I, they're shooting for twelve, and I was, you know, I'm gonna just kind of do whatever I can to gently nudge things, like <laughs> you know, there's an unfinished story. You don't just right? need to fill there. in gaps. Yeah, yeah, it might be uh, a thing you want to tackle at some point because they're reprinting them. That was yeah. This, that was in this month's order. I think it's going to be because volume one was in this month's order. And just yeah, like that's how much what uh, yeah. volume one. I'm going to guess they're going to do it in two volumes. Sure, sure, sure. And sure they're doing it in the difference there is they're doing it in soft cover, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, because uh, my understanding is boom for licensed property doesn't do hard covers. Oh, really? OK, that so just made told. me think that the hardcovers will become a lot more uh, sought after. 
I, don't, I mean, uh, a couple months back, Dark Horse put them on liquidation. Yeah, yeah, I so saw that. So it was that. like, if shops wanted to order them, they were like two bucks. I mean, which is great when you're a shop. That really should have been my indication that the property was getting sold. Yeah, I know, right? When, when they put them on liquidation. Every time I do a show, I try to buy the books that I do and sell them at shows. And uh, that is my best seller, are the uh, Serenity books, bar none. Well, I think... I think this has been so lovely. And thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. Not at all. If you guys ever want to talk again, give me a heads up. I I love this sort of thing. I've got the gift of gab, so I will talk all day. It's been so fun. And that's that's the most fun part is when when we talk to somebody who loves this clearly so much. And that's just it. I'm I'm a fan. I I am a professional and I do sit on that side of the table. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm just as much of a fan. You know, I I was I was geeking out recently as as a comic shop owner you know that uh that mike mignola dracula hardcover just came yeah. out with a black and white movie adaption and i was like oh my god i was geeking over this for a straight week <laughs> i mean i've been into the buffy stuff since day one i, I mean i was part of those hundred thousand copies that sold I, I, was there. <laughs> I still and when i started up my shop i you know it's one of those things that everything you own is suddenly something that you sell Sure. But I still have my Buffy number one, the one that I bought off the shelf day one 11 oh, years ago. Oh, look at that. that, that is, I know. That is one of the very few that I hung on to. I sold every other Buffy issue. Bought, <laughs> but the number one I saved. Well, someday you'll have to get it signed. That sounds great. <laughs> Which is annoying because I met you eight years ago. I just didn't have it with me. Then I blame you for this. I know, right? Yeah. Well, I bought a print and then I sold it for profit, so, well, you know, there's that. Whatever. Well, the next time you <laughs> well, come also... up to the Northeast, you know, for but, a con. But I've bought original art since then, so ultimately you win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody's trying to get me to go to that Granite Con. Are you familiar with that one? Granite State, Granite yeah. State, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. We've been to that one before. That was, okay. like, that was, a, that was a great show. That's, it's pretty close it? to my okay. parents, which it's is nice. Cool. <laughs> it just passed, what, a few weeks ago? But yeah, that show does a really good job of being well lit and being packed, but still managing to keep appropriate amounts of space in between tables. Oh yeah. Cool. So I don't, it was actually, it's one of my favorite shows that we've done because it, it, it was packed, but it wasn't cramped. If that makes sense. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I'll definitely have to take them up on it. Which is a, it's a, it's a rarity to see a show like that where it's like, Oh my God, there's a ton of people here. We have room to breathe. (laughs) It's a nice combo. Except for those people behind us that drop stuff on us that I yelled at. Oh, whatever. But <laughs> that was a year ago, so who cares? Um, but yeah, if you're ever up in the Northeast, let us know. We'll, I will we'll probably be sure. around. Yeah, Granite State's actually a good show. I recommend it. Great, great. Good to hear. Well, thank you so much. It's been so fun. <laughs> and again, listeners thank were you. occasionally just break out in the shop talk. I know. <laughs> and another thing. I know, you're like... And I know this is my life. He's just like, so here are the 17 things I learned from Diamond today. And this is what my order looks like. That's cool. I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> Boom Studios is my number three order this month. I think partially because of the Firefly like stuff. Like that. that. That's wow. a fun fact that yeah, is they're beating out, um, not useful to most people. They're beating Image and Dark Horse for what I ordered this month. Oh. Really? Three. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, Marvel's the clear winner than DC. Sure. And I was looking at my numbers. I'm like, oh, wow. Boom is number three. Yeah, and it's funny they. I I really hope they put their their popularity where their money is, you know. And and a lot of I feel you know, a lot of these smaller companies don't necessarily pay for the talent per se. 
And I hope now that Boom has sort of stepped up a bit that they'll definitely say, you know what, let's get some really good guys to come in because these are important properties. I think Disney's going to end up owning them, I think, because I think Fox is the majority shareholder. Ah, really? For Boom, so I'm going to guess it's going to be going to Disney in the next few months. Hmm. That makes sense. We'll see. Hey, everyone, Which is hope also... you enjoyed that talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is weird, though, because if you notice, Dark Horse is doing Netflix stuff. And I thought Netflix uh, was their own entity. I mean, they bought all Mark uh, Millar's stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's weird how things are just being cut up and shaken and all of that these days. I know. And that new Buffy series, What I think that's just going to be a whole new canon. It's like the one image they released was like Buffy with a smartphone in high school. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't around in 97. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, that, too, I'm told, is a prequel. They're going back to school, right? But if it, she has, I'm going to say new canon if she has a smartphone. Right, yeah. Which seems like a the... big time saver. Like, oh, what are we going to do? I don't know. Let's look it up. <laughs> hey, Google, where's the Hellmouth? <laughs> yeah, so helpful. There has to be some weird, like, dark internet form about this somewhere. <laughs> the dark know. net, exactly. Uh, but I think that'll, that's about what we have. Um, thank you very much for coming out. Anytime. Thank you guys for having me. I greatly appreciate it. And we'll. We'll talk to you later, I guess. Yeah, we'll right back at you in two weeks. Oh, lovely! I, so we're speaking to you from the future, everyone. I know. <laughs> I never know when everything's coming out. I'm like, oh, that's fun. Well, I'm going to cut it tomorrow, but then it'll be up in two weeks. Oh, good to know. Yeah, fun times. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Anytime, guys. And Thank I, you. And very much for because I've been following this for so damn long. Thank you for everything you did on the book. It was a damn fun ride. It was a labor of love, my friend. Well, thank you. It shows. Oh. All right. Well, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for your work. Yeah, this has been really great. Thank you so much for taking this much time with us. Yeah, anytime. If you guys need something else, just give a ring. We will, for sure. Thank you very much. Have a great night. All right, Zach. See you, Emily. Bye. Bye.